Good morning. It's good to be here. As Bob said, I'm Joan Hogan, and I'm welcoming all of you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is unable to be with us today, so I'm so happy to welcome Kelly Evans, an internal medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me, Joan. Well, Kelly, you're new to the show. I thought you had might have been on in the past year or two with Dr. Holm whenever I was gone. You haven't. But you don't even recall, you were an undergrad, I think, shadowing Dr. Holm mm-hmm. when you visited the show once, many years ago. Yeah, that A few w- things have happened since then, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. Life has changed a little bit. And you're, you're practicing now in Brookings. You grew up in Brookings, and I know you were, you were well-known on the sports page in high school. You were always there for your golf. You did a phenomenal job with golf. You went on to SDSU with golf, too, right? Correct. Yep, yep. That's where I met my husband, actually, who also played golf at SDSU. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you went on to med school at USD. Yep, yep. After undergrad here, I actually took a couple years off and worked in Brookings, mostly serving food and beer to uh, locals, so I'm pretty well acquainted with a lot of folks around town. Um, and then I went to USD for medical school, um, finished there in 2012, and spent the next four years in Denver, Colorado, at the University of Colorado doing my internal medicine training. Okay, and once back in Brookings, setting up practice, you had to surprise everyone with a set of twins, huh? Yeah, yep, I had my my twin girls, Teddy and Zoe, um, last year while we were still in Denver, actually. They're 15 months old now. Wow. Trying to figure out how to walk and all that business. Mm-hmm. I'll bet your uh, your family was thrilled when you moved back to Brookings with those darlings. Yeah, and we're not too disappointed to have grandparents close by either. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure. And your husband's a South Dakota kid too, huh? Yeah, he's from Vivian, South Dakota, okay. so uh, rural South Dakota, just south of Pierre there. Well, we're so happy to have you here. I'm really pleased to have you here because I knew that you were back in town practicing medicine and so pleased that you had joined you know the old guard goes dr home retired about the time you came didn't you You probably moved into his office yeah yep i'm sharing an office with his old nurse practitioner who um katie jones and um i picked up a lot of dr holmes patients there was just a couple month lapse between when he stopped seeing patients in the clinic and i started so well, it's good mm-hmm. to have you here, and Thank I'm, you. I'm sure our listeners would be very happy to have you respond to any questions they might have of a medical nature. You know, uh, this is doesn't quite look like allergy season because it's cold and miserable out there, but, it, it, you know, it is April. Allergies are coming up, and I thought that'd be a great topic to touch on, but again, uh, this show is generated by your calls, people, so give us a call at 692-1430. We're going to take our first break, and when we return, we'll begin our discussion on allergies. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is having a wonderful week with his wife sailing the briny sea. I'm so happy for him. I'm sure he's just loving it. He's feeling great. I haven't seen him for a couple of months because I've been gone. Now he's gone. But next week, he and I will get together and we'll find out how the sailing went. We're hoping it was great fun for him. Today, we have Kelly Evans, a local Brookings woman who is now an internal medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. We're so happy to have Kelly here to answer any questions you might have. Again, give us a call at 692 and before we get calls from you, we thought we'd start the discussion with allergies. I, I have a few questions, but do you have anything you would want to 
just established with allergies, or should I ask the first question? Yeah, well, I would say springtime in South Dakota is a common season for people to experience allergies. Um, a lot of folks know if they have allergies because they've had them before, but allergies can develop later in life. So um, even older folks can get allergies for the first time. Um, and don't be surprised if that happens to you. Uh, it's common in folks who have asthma and other um, what we call atopic type diseases, eczema. Um, and the allergies we're talking about in spring are often to plant material like pollen that comes out in the air as, as our trees start to bud and everything. Um, the one thing that we see a lot in the clinic is folks who might come in and think they have an infection, like a sinus infection or a cold, but in fact, these can be allergy symptoms, especially in, in folks who might be new to the area and have not experienced allergies here before. So keep that in mind if you're having that runny nose congestion, that, that's certainly what could be going on this time of year. So if you move from a total different region from one to another, you could be exposed to things that had not bothered, mm -hmm. you it hadn't been exposed to before, so now you may have a reaction to them. Absolutely, so there are different allergens here than there are in different places in the country. Um, diff other places in the country, for example, where I lived in Denver, we saw a lot less allergies because the air is so dry. And so those um, materials don't stay in the air for nearly as long as, as our pollen does. Drier than South Dakota? Much drier. Oh, yeah. I thought this place was so dry. I mean, it's we've lived here almost 50 years, but it just, I thought this was the driest climate anyone could live in mm -hmm. when we moved here. But mm -hmm. Denver is even drier. Yes, huh? yes, wow. I would say definitely so. Quite mm -hmm. a bit difference. Well, you know, Dr. Holm is a great advocate for the na different nasal sprays mm -hmm. you can use. If people have used nasal spray but don't want to use them year-round, when do you think they should start using them? Well, if folks are familiar with using nasal sprays, it's because they've had allergies before. And so I would say once you start to get those hints that you're experiencing the seasonal allergies that you've had in the past, go ahead and start those, specifically the steroid nasal sprays, which are now available over-the-counter. Things like fluticasone would be a common generic name for one. Um, they're very effective in allergy prevention. They have almost no side effects um, and are really the best we got and luckily are available over the counter so you don't even have to make a trip into the doctor if you know that's what you need. Okay, and uh, as far as the nasal spray for allergies, if you've had it, fine, but should someone who's never been diagnosed just think, oh, maybe that'll help me and go out and use them because they're over the counter? It's it's safe enough that I don't think there's a lot of danger to that. The only danger would be maybe misdiagnosis. So certainly if, if you try your luck with that and don't have success, see your doctor to get a, a okay. professional examination done. But generally speaking, these are pretty safe medications. Okay. The steroid itself, gets very little absorption into the bloodstream. So those side effects that we think of happening with steroid pills, for example, we don't see that with the nasal sprays. Well, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Well, when you said self-diagnosis, so many people are good at that. If you do have a runny nose and you don't know whether it's a cold or allergies and you see a doctor, what are you looking for to tell the difference? How would um, you know? I, I would say we're looking for onset, um, namely how long have things been going on and what other symptoms do you have? Um, you know, the time of year is helpful. We're seeing a little bit less of the viral syndromes, though we're still seeing plenty of that um, in the clinic. Um, and just history and there are some physical exam findings that can be helpful. Fevers would speak against allergies, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. The other thing, and I, this is a question I have. I, I never had allergies until I was much older. Mm -hmm. I think I was in my 50s before I ever developed allergies. 
which drove me crazy. And I, I figured Scott's way of getting back, because I used to think allergies were all in their head. You know, <laughs> anyone who had allergies, it wasn't real. Oh, <laughs> goodness. You never judge others. But <laughs> I learned. I do have allergies. But I take a daily allergy medication. Mm-hmm. You know, Allegra, Claritin, Zyrtec, they're all over the counter. They're mm-hmm. all a little different. Do you think it's wise to take it every day, or do you think uh, you should just take it when symptoms are present? I think if you are someone who experiences severe allergy symptoms through a certain season, for example, for these few months of the springtime, it's generally safe and probably more effective to just go ahead and take it every day before you get the symptoms later in the day, for example. Um, The one thing that I would watch out for, especially in in aging patients, those can have some side effects, so they're uncommon, and they can interact with other medications. So if you're someone who has other medical problems um, or is on multiple medications, it might be a wise thing to just chat with your doctor about the safety of long-term use of those. In most people, those are pretty safe. Well, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, hives are another thing that come up with allergies. what how do people get hives why do they get hives is there mm-hmm. one simple answer there's not um <laughs> hives so hives in the medical term is urticaria so forgive me if i use those interchangeably um, hives can be caused by a lot of reasons and you're right they can go along with allergies um, how hives happen is the abnormal release of a chemical called histamine from a white blood cell that's known as a mast cell in the blood and that all doesn't matter but that's the re it's similar to a reaction that happens with for example allergic rhinitis or the allergic runny nose which is also probably at least in some part related to histamine release Um, hives can also happen because of allergic exposures so whenever someone comes in with new hives and when we're talking about hives we're talking about those little itchy terribly itchy bumps that might look kind of like bug bites but might sprout out sporadically or all over your body. We think of allergic reactions, they can happen with medication allergies, they can happen with exposure allergies like a new soap or a new detergent or something like that. They can happen independent of allergies. I think I attended a talk on hives from an allergist once, and I think there's a statistic. It's it's a not insignificant number of folks who have hives, something like a third, have them, and we never figure out why they had them. Um, so they can happen sporadically. Um, and in those folks who it happens sporadically, it's very bothersome, obviously, but usually self-resolves and is typically not a dangerous thing. Um, So hives are common. They go along with allergies some of the times, but the allergens could be numerous things. It could even be a food allergy, for example. Um, And they can happen independent of allergies. There are some people who get hives from heat exposure. You take a hot shower and people get hives, for example. So there are a lot of kind of odd urticaria syndromes. A lot Mm -hmm. of things can cause it, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone were experiencing Mm -hmm. hives, you would suggest they see their doctor to to remedy it? Yeah, if they're, if especially if those hives are new. If you're someone who gets them on and off, they don't cause you much trouble except for the day you have them and the itching is bothersome, those over-the-counter antihistamine medications like the brand name Zyrtec, Claritin, or obviously the generics of those are first-line treatment and for the itching. Mm-hmm. They really help the itching. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this has been some good information on allergies, and it is the season for it. We are due to take a break. We'd appreciate any calls you might have, any questions you might have at 692-1430, and we'll be back right after these words.
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. As I said at the outset of the program, Dr. Rick Holm is out of town today. He'll be back next Wednesday, and he and I will be together on the program. But today, I'm so happy to welcome Kelly Evans, who's an internal medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. If you recognize the name, it's because Kelly grew up right here in Brookings. And I think all of you listening, many of the listeners know Kelly. So happy to have you here with us, Kelly. We've talked a lot about allergies. Mm-hmm. You think we've pretty well covered it? Any I, other questions? I think those are the basics on seasonal allergies. And the bottom line is that they're common. A lot of the treatments that we use are over the counter. There's not a lot of advanced treatments. It's pretty rare that folks with typical seasonal allergies have to go on to get things like allergy testing, see a specialist. But certainly if you're someone that struggles a lot with those symptoms, see your doctor because those are sort of down the line options. When our oldest son was home, between four and seven you kind of lose track he really had strong reactions and finally he started on the allergy shots Mm -hmm. when he was about 20 or 22 he stopped taking them and has done well without it Mm -hmm. is is that common that people have them when they're young and that is common and it's similar to asthma it's something that kids who have severe reactions to those tend to get less severe with aging and certainly the allergy shots may have contributed to that improvement in your son um, being an adult medicine doctor I often don't see the, the children the children um, who have those more severe reactions and end up seeing the allergist usually people by adulthood have less severe reactions or have grown out of some of those allergies okay mm-hmm. all right well uh, tomorrow night on dr. Holmes uh, TV program. Again, he won't be there, but instead we have another local doctor, Dr. Deb Johnson, who's going to be hosting the On Call with the Prairie Doc on South Dakota Public Television tomorrow night, and she's going to be talking about headaches, causes, effects, and treatments. Dr. Johnson is really knowledgeable on this, and I've talked with her a few different times with friends and family members who have suffered from headaches, and she really, boy, she's covered a lot, so she's very good. There will also be other doctors with her uh, you know, as Dr. Holm often has guest mm-hmm. physicians with him, I'm not sure who else she'll have. But talking about headaches, we could even um, discuss headaches now. And one thing that often comes up is, uh, do people really get headaches from strong perfume odors, or is it all in their head? I, headaches are in your head, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very clever. Um, so I would say... Headaches and specifically migraine headaches can have various environmental triggers um, and and those can be pretty varying and and certainly an odor could be something that set off a particular person with migraine headaches. I wouldn't say that's a common trigger for headaches, um, but I think it's certainly possible in someone who suffers from migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you know if food can cause headaches? That's uncommon. Um, it's rare. It, yeah, I would say it's rare. Um, there are, in migraines and specifically, there are some foods that we know can make migraines worse. Um, and those things are caffeine. And rarely you'll see um, the headache specialists say that MSG, um, which is a chemical in salt, can make some migraines worse. So, you know, for folks who, and, and when I'm talking about migraine headaches, this is actually, you know, not the typical headache that most people have. That we is something we call a tension type headache. Migraine headaches are typically more severe and uh, more frequent in folks who have migraines. And we can talk a little bit about that more. Um, but that if you have migraine headaches, especially if you have them frequently, something your doctor might ask you to do is 
to keep what we call a headache diary. And that might include things like what you ate the day that you had a severe headache, because in some folks, there can be some of those dietary triggers. That can bring them on. And mm-hmm. migraines are quite different from, you call it attention headaches? I've never heard that term before. Yeah, so the, t- the most common type of headache is what we call tension type headache. Oh, tension. I mm-hmm. thought you said attention. attention oh, no, excuse me. Tension. tension. So we did receive an email from a listener that okay. wanted us to ask the doctor, Is there, what is a cluster headache? Good question. So a, a cluster headache is a very rare type of headache. Um, and so... Well, just tension type headaches, as we were talking about, is the most common type of headache. That's the one that everybody has had. It's a more mild to moderate headache, can be caused by musculoskeletal tightness in the neck, for example, but other things. Usually something that, you know, you and I can go to work and get through the day despite and goes away is a pretty self-limited thing. The next most common type of headache is migraine headaches, as I was talking about, which is generally more severe. It's often unilateral. It might last for hours, but it can be pretty debilitating. It makes people stay in bed, not want to turn on the lights. It can be associated with things called auras, which are things like seeing floaters in the vision or having other type of um, symptoms along with the headache. Um, And then There are other types of headaches, but cluster headaches is quite rare. Um, And cluster headaches are headaches that typically last for very short periods of time, minutes. Um, It often occurs, I think the classic um, person who has it is a young male, and they're pretty self-limited. If people have really debilitating cluster headaches, sometimes they're treated with just oxygen. Oxygen seems to make them go away, but often those headaches are so short that we don't even see them in the healthcare setting because they go away so quickly. the The patient might not even have time to make it to the clinic or the hospital. So cluster headaches are a type of headache. They're pretty rare. We don't see a lot of them. And generally speaking, they're, they're not, they don't signify a, a greater problem, like an, in, an inside the skull type process. What makes mm-hmm. a cluster headache a cluster headache? What's different from a migraine or a tension? Um, severity, um, the short-lived nature of it, whereas migraines would last hours. Cluster headaches might last seconds to minutes. Oh, mm-hmm. so you really severe headache, mm-hmm. it hits you and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And it is kind of rare. Yeah. And like I said, it's unusual. I don't think I've actually seen someone come in with a cluster headache, and that's probably because they're generally pretty short-lived. Okay. It's, it's probably less than 1% or 2% of headaches are that. Boy, there's a lot to go on with headaches. When we were uh, answering that question, we had another call who, comes in, who called in and said uh, he suffers after drinking red wine but not white wine. Mm-hmm. Why would you get a headache after red wine and not get a headache after white wine? Well, th- th- I guess certainly, it, uh, like we talked about some of the dietary triggers of headaches, there are different ingredients in red and white wine. And I'm, I like wine, don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert on the makeup of different wines, but I think there, you know, some of the tannins and things that in red wine could potentially be triggers. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say when it comes to the hangover headache, meaning the next day headache, I don't know if this, that's what this patient was asking or not, that different types of alcohol cause them and different types don't. I don't know that there's a lot of science to that or not. Okay. We'll have to let them just drink white and forget the red, whatever the answer would be. (laughs) Well, these have been very interesting interesting comments on headaches. Uh, We're going to take our final break. We'll be back right after these words. 
Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Doc, with me today is Dr. Kelly Evans, an internal medicine physician with the Vera Medical Group, Brookings. Dr. Holm will be back next week. Uh, Dr. Evans, we were talking about headaches, and I think we've pretty well covered that topic. What do you yeah, think? It's a broad topic, and so we, we covered, I think, what we're able to in this short time. That show that uh, Dr. Johnson is hosting tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Television will be very enlightening if folks have more interest in headaches, and I'm sure you'll have opportunity to get questions answered from some headache specialists on that show, so tune into that. And that show is live, and the questions can come in live, which is very nice. Sometimes they pre-tape them, but this one is not pre-taped. It's being aired live, and and headaches do affect a lot of people. I was so surprised. There was some article in the paper uh, in the past year about women who suffer such tremendous headaches, and Mm -hmm. I had no idea that Mm -hmm. it was that that. Mm-hmm. overwhelming for a lot of people, almost yeah. debilitating. Yeah, those migraine headaches are more common in women um, by a ratio of maybe three or four to one, and especially premenopausal women. Um, and they can be debilitating. You know, some, some people have headaches that are severe enough and frequent enough that we actually put them on medication every day as headache prevention, as opposed to just treating the headache when it happens. Wow. And so if you're one of those people, you should absolutely see your doctor if you're missing work for headaches more than monthly I yeah, don't say. live with it no you know do the best yeah, there you are can things that to we get can over do. it yeah and there are specialists aren't there pain specialists in Sioux Falls there are pain specialists the as far as headache specialists goes usually the neurologists who uh, in a broader sense treat all diseases of the brain and nervous system um, also are our headache specialists so uh, okay. sometimes we have folks see neurology if we're unable to get headaches under control in primary care and certainly most headaches are of those types we talked about the tension type and migraine which are benign headaches meaning they don't signify a problem with a tumor in the brain or uh, a blood vessel problem in the brain the it's it's less than one percent of headaches that are occur with those more dangerous problems but there are things you should certainly see your doctor if you're having recurring headaches so that we can ask you the pertinent questions examine you for those pertinent things that we would look for in that very rare case okay we i mentioned pain specialists they're not just dedicated headaches more body pain or fibromyalgia is one thing that always comes to mind Mm -hmm. you know 10 years ago you heard that term and it seemed like just a junk term for people they the doctor mm-hmm. couldn't diagnose, so we'll say it's fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a made-up term, which mm-hmm. isn't very kind to doctors, but mm-hmm. there are things you just can't diagnose. And mm-hmm. is fibromyalgia one that they finally can define and determine what exactly it yeah, is? Yeah, so fibromyalgia is is a chronic pain syndrome. It's something we see really commonly in primary care, actually, as are all pain syndromes. Um, there are diagnostic criteria for fibromyalgia that um, the American Rheumatologic Society is has come up with, and, and we can use those. Uh, more commonly, we try to rule out other things that might be causing those pains and, and treat fibromyalgia um, as a chronic pain syndrome syndrome and and most of us try to do so with the least harmful medications possible and try to educate patients on the things that they can do to decrease their pain fibromyalgia like other chronic pain syndromes are um, can be really difficult to live with and and part of that is educating that in chronic pain we often never get pain to a zero and trying to figure out ways for patients to live and function despite that pain Um, one of the things that I really push in my patients with fibromyalgia there's there's we have good scientific evidence that 
daily exercise decreases pain long-term in fibromyalgia. You had to bring up exercise, yes, didn't yes, you? Yes, I Dr. had Dr. Holm would not be happy at all. Yeah, we're not yeah, brought up know, at least I'm going to make sure time. he hears yeah. this. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a difficult thing for folks with fibromyalgia and chronic pain to do because they hurt. And, and so, so it's thought a, of exercise. Yeah, exactly. And, and so especially starting exercise, um, people might hurt for that first period of time as they're getting used to it. But we do know that long-term, that decreases pain levels and improves long-term function. And so that's one of the, the big educational points about those syndromes. That's amazing that, that well, the one thing I find after working 25 years with Dr. Holm, he's been preaching exercise for 25 years, but it really is true. It's the mm -hmm. answer to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It really does make a difference it in is. our lives. It yeah. is. You know, we, we physicians go through a lot of training, but it turns out medicine has its limits. Um, <laughs> and and it's, it's not magic. We often aren't able to fix people's chronic problems. And so helping people to live and enjoy life with those chronic problems is a, a part of what we do every day. That's great. Uh, there is a question that came in about probiotics. What do you think of probiotics? Uh, what are they used for? And do you recommend a particular brand? Mm -hmm. So probiotics, just for anyone who is not familiar with that term, essentially is it's a capsule of uh, cultures or bacteria, typically lactobacillus, I think is the most common bacteria in those in those pills. Um, and the idea behind those is it, is it uh, replaces the quote, good bacteria in our guts. Um, you know, we have bacteria that do their jobs in our guts every day, and they're very important. Um, so probiotics, generally not harmful. There's not necessarily a downside to probiotics. Um, a lot of folks will prescribe them, for example, if, if they put people on strong antibiotics to fight an infection in hopes that that restores the normal bacteria when they all get killed off by the antibiotics that we prescribe. Um, unfortunately, there was actually, there have been a couple studies on probiotics and particularly in the elderly, we, we have this thought that, gosh, could we prevent things like C. difficile colitis or C. diff is what people have heard of, which is a diarrheal disease that we cause often when we give people antibiotics. Um, and so there have been studies to see if probiotics can prevent C. diff. The studies haven't really shown that it helps, unfortunately. Okay. So That's I think there's bad. not necessarily a downside, um, but we don't have a lot of great science uh, behind uh, their use at this point in time. And they're usually over the counter. So yes. there's any particular brand. No, no I'm you're not, not going to endorse I, a brand. No, I'm not no. someone who's going to endorse a brand of no. mostly anything, but, yeah. um, I, there are a lot of brands. I think they have pretty similar, um, content. They do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, some people just use, uh, yogurt as mm -hmm. that would be a form of probiotic. Yeah. Yep. It? Especially there are certain types of yogurts that advertise. They have high, high levels of cult active cultures in them. And that would be a similar, um, okay. sort of mechanism. And it does make sense. If you take an antibiotics, it's going to kill off the bad as well as the good. Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. when people run into problems, diarrhea, yeah. upset stomach, yeah. all of that. It does make sense. We'd like to see our scientific studies mirror the, the sense that we think it makes in our brain and it doesn't right. always follow that. But like I said, really low harm. So if you're, and if you're someone who easily gets diarrhea on antibiotics, for example, it might not be a bad idea to try. Okay, sounds great. Mm -hmm. The other thing that happens to people's stomach and problems would be uh, the celiac and the, mm. the allergies to wheat, and mm -hmm. that has 
really come to the forefront in the past 15 years mm -hmm. or so. People mm -hmm. are well aware of it. Mm -hmm. And that causes problems with your stomach. Yeah, so celiac disease is a what we call a gluten intolerance. And that's a true disease where the gut doesn't have what it needs to break down gluten that comes in wheat. People with celiac disease have chronic diarrhea. They lose weight because they can't absorb their other nutrients. The, the gluten free fad that has hit us in the last few years, I would say is pretty independent of celiac disease and right. other true medical disease. So I think the, the, uh, the only good thing about that fad is for people <laughs> who do have celiac, yes. now there's access to many, many yes, products that were not there before. True, true. There have been more demand and right. certainly more variety. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, this half hour has gone so quickly. We hope all of you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. As always, you can hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you may also learn more about the exciting activities of the Healing Words Foundation. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining me today. Thank you for having me, John. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Prairie Doc Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.